Okay, guys, welcome to a very special, our first ever Q&A episode of Masks and Mayhem. We have just finished our fifth arc. I think that's right, fifth. Uh, that was so high. <laughs> don't don't give me a number. I thought you were going to say Myra's cool arc. We're at the end of our most recent arc, which is Myra's cool arc on both your houses. But I'm trying to think, like, it depends on how you count an arc, because, like, our first episode was just one single, ep- like, standalone episode. And then we had, like, a two-parter, and then and then we had a couple, like, standalone episodes again. So I don't know how much, how we count what arc we're on. We've had, we've had some arcs, and we just finished one. And here we are. Yeah. yeah. You know what, that's just it. We've had some arcs. We had some fun, and we're here now. Oh, I'm glad you're lying to the people and telling them you had fun, at least. <laughs> <laughs> it actually sucks. We just make stuff up. I pay them an absorbent amount of money to pretend they're role-playing a game. This is all an elaborate ARG. <laughs> We're not Wait, even real. RC just has three imaginary friends. Wait, the rest of you are getting money? So yeah, I thought we'd start off by kind of just doing a little bit of a recap of the last uh, 19 episodes of Masks and Mayhem. So who wants to talk about Opportunity Costs, our pilot? Oh, is that the one? where I got ambushed by, like, a fake, like, hostage person in a room that was full of fire, or... That was, sorry, now I have to... That was the, that was our formation episode, that was episode zero, and we actually, like, that was before we even started recording actual gameplays. Oh, just kidding, I got confused. We didn't record that one? Um, our pilot episode was the, um, the one with Brigand, right? Correct. I remember, because I... Um, <laughs> did the transcript for that episode. So that episode, I listened to so much. Oh. But, wait, yeah, okay, wait, is that like, the one where he broke into my brother's place of work? Yep. Oh, okay, now I remember. Yeah, so, but pre-opportunity uh, costs would have been the first game we ever played where you all met in, well, most of you met in space. Uh, your individual things, like Ruby getting mugged, Myra stopping a mugger, and Yardak... The Insurrection in Atlantis. Yeah, the Insurrection in Atlantis, which in hindsight, man, I really wish we would have recorded these. It would have been so terrible because I didn't know anything about what I was doing. Not that I'm that far ahead now. I'm just saying I know more. It should do like a thing where we like recount the story as best that we can. Yeah, so here, uh, Ruby or Rachel, recount to me Ruby's uh, mugging experience. I think we started off, We were, I was filming, yeah. or Ruby was filming. Now, it's weird talking about Ruby as if I'm not Ruby. Yeah, earlier earlier I said my brother's place of work, obviously by that I meant Myra's brother's place of work. Yeah, I didn't. I don't question it, because I slip into that too. Like. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was filming, and I think my filming went really well. Was that not the day it went well? Did it just go okay? Like, I don't know. In, in true character arc fashion, your first time record- your first time doing film recording did not go well. I also don't know why, but my headcanon has always been, every time that she's like, yeah, we're filming. Something goes wrong and you don't. <laughs> now, my brain just does that scene from, like, the first episode of Heroes where uh, Hayden Panettiere's character just keeps, like, jumping off of high things. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, as she's, like, recording herself. I don't know why that's... All of Ruby's things are just, like, testing her own powers. Basically, yeah. That's what, okay. like, my own private headcanon has been this whole time. Actually, before you keep going, Rachel, would you- has has Ruby ever, in your headcanon, has Ruby ever filmed herself, like, trying her powers out? Oh, yeah, totally. In my head, though, I was think. oh, I was, like, I guess, spoiler alert for Shazam? Oh, I haven't seen uh, it. I feel like it'll be long enough 
that this is yeah. like, when this comes out. So anyway, like he they that they do that like him and his his um foster brother film his powers and I was like imagining it like that with like her and Bethany. Okay. Uh and then I think we went to the bar and maybe we're served by Austin, I don't know. I think we did determine yes that that I yeah. think I think in Austin's introductory episode uh I I described him as being the bartender that night. Mm-hmm. A little retcon. And I got uh, I think I got, like, a whiskey sour, and then there were some guys that were, like, being, like, douchey at the bar, and they were, like, following his home, and I kind of, like, slipped into an alley to get away from them, and I made a dumpster to hide behind. Right. Or I made the illusion of a dumpster. I don't, like, I can't make No, I think you made it, I think you made an actual dumpster. Did I? As an object? I think so. I'm pretty, if I remember correctly, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's like a box, just fancier. Just fancy. Is it fancier? Because there's more detail. It's not just like four walls. It's like you make it look like a dumpster. I have always yeah. imagined Ruby's boxes as being like very like just slab marble, like nothing right, really. Like I imagine a minimal little like cube rectangle shaped. Yeah, basically just picture a coffin. Huh. <laughs> I not what I was imagining, no. Dad. No. And then uh, they got, like... And then while we were hiding, the people got mugged by... Oh my god, what's his name? We just ran into him again. Uh Oh, Elliot Goldtooth Ainsley. Uh, with Elliot Goldtooth Ainsley. I, I think if, in my head I wanted to ask this, was he named after the West Wing character, like Ainsley Hayes? No, uh, but I... I- <laughs> So I have a random name generator that I just spent, like, a long time making random names, and I saved all of them for, like, okay. on the fly. And when I picked that, so, like, I always, it's always a first and last name, so I just went through and I was like, I liked that one. I, but I did pick that character because of the name Ainsley, because of Ainsley Hayes on the West yeah. Wing. So while while <laughs> um, that character is not named after on purpose, like... Um, it worked that, out. That's, that's ultimately why I chose that name for that mean, list. Ruby's name, I think... I thought of Ruby and then just did a random name generator for Lawson. Which kicks ass. Anyway. And then, so we were hiding, and they got mugged, and then he was like, oh, I saw you, ladies. And then I made a fake wallet. Right. And put some, I put some of my real cash in there because I decided I wasn't about to, like, break the law. Ruby's constant moral quandary is, do I generate cur- counterfeit currency? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what would happen if Ruby was a supervillain. And she was just be counterfeit money and then i made a fake id in there which my name was jennifer i gave him the fake wallet and he left and then the i called the police i was like i was mugged and then the next day i was walking somewhere and i ran into him again and it got confrontation like i realized he was like about he saw me reach for my phone or something yeah you were trying to stealth you were trying to stealthily take his picture and he, like, recognized you from the night before. And he was gonna, like, try and beat me up. So I made a hammer in my purse, and then I beat him up with the hammer and kicked him. Fun. And then after that, you had a successful day of filming. <laughs> yes, that's what I- <laughs> That was your that was your character arc for that little- for that one shot. Um, so yeah, so you had that, and then little- Dan, give us a little bit about Yardak's experience. Undersea Adventure in the city of Atlantis. I was summoned back to Atlantis by, which is the king, Yarkalen or Yarkaven? Yarkaven. So I was summoned back to Atlantis by Yarkaven because there were some insurrectionists 
that were threatening the order of things, and they were blowing shit up. So I went back there, and with the help of one of the people in the Atlantean Guard named Yaradamo, we were able to find the insurrectionists and put a stop to the demonstrations at that point in time. But we kind of found out afterwards, well, we didn't find out, but the listener, I guess, found out that they wanted to be captured. Oh, yeah, because I, I did a post-credits scene about that. Um, but I think It's been a while. We should revisit that. And then we can bring Yardamo back. Because Yardamo and I bumped uglies, and... Great. <laughs> I was wondering how you were going to say that, and I wasn't expecting bumped uglies. No, I don't think anyone was expecting that to be worded that way. Yeah, well, here I am. I'm painting pictures with my words. I thought you were, I thought you were going to say, like, made love. I kn- no, I knew Dan I knew Dan would never say that. Yeah. So anyway, uh yeah, so after that and also at a similar time, Myra had her first uh real uh, use of her powers in a way that wasn't just like testing them. Um yeah, so Myra ran into a I think it was a robber. Yeah, he was like mugging a woman. Okay, so another mugger. I wasn't sure if it was, like... Standard superhero stuff. Everybody gets their start stopping muggers. Right. There was a mugger. And um, I stopped him from mugging this lady. But it was, like, my first time... It was Myra's first time, like, really using her powers to do something like this. Mm -hmm. So she didn't occur to her to, like, hide her identity. So this woman saw her, but Myra was like, "Mm, Okay, bye. And then... I, I don't remember a lot. I think we ran up to the top of a building. Yeah, I mean, that's like the long, like, that was the main, I remember, use of your powers was you, like, you you separated the two of them by running one of them off the building. Like, right. So, not, like, throwing them off the building, but, like, away from the area. Right, yeah, like, I, I took the dude up a building with me, and then I, I think I disassembled his gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. With my super speed. And then, that's, I'm trying to remember. Did I go back? I mean, those are like the that, that's the thing. Like your 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 adventure out of all of them was the shortest. I remember because we were. I mean, really, that was our time of you just trying to learn the basic gameplay stuff, right? Yeah, like roles and, and stuff. So I wasn't like I gave them. I think you know, unfortunately, I gave them, or fortunately, whatever you want to think about it, I gave them a lot more story elements, like whereas yours was just more like yeah, yours was more like just a single incident. Yeah. Well, it was still fun. It makes sense that it was quick because hello, that's like Mara's thing. <laughs> whatever story i gave you would have gone quickly (laughs) so the next game after that was myra being recruited at the same time as yardak and ruby being uh at union right so that was the one where i was ambushed by like a fake hostage in a house maybe because i'm maybe because i play all the other characters i feel biased but i don't know if ambush is the right word (laughs) no 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 ambush she was sent into a burning building i mean yeah but she's super speed She's she's powerful. She was in no actual danger. Well, grand scheme wise, she didn't know. Yeah, I was emotionally traumatized. Now I'm an agent. Yeah, now you're an agent, and because of this, because of Agent Kevin Lewis and his uh, off the wall ideas. Off the wall, okay, <laughs> you could call it that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he recruits you. Uh, Doctor Alvarado brought Ruby in for some uh, tests, like blood tests. Uh, I think Yardak was there. I'm trying to remember if that was... I think that was your first... Huh? It was, right, right, but I'm saying, like, why... I'm trying to remember why you were at Union that day, and I think that was your first meeting with Betsy Bullard. 
Yeah, it was. Yeah. Because remember, I saw, uh, I heard her say something, but then I didn't quite catch it, so I thought it meant something else, and that's why I didn't really like Betsy. Yeah, like, you basically thought that she was, like, a shady, uh, more Nick Fury-esque character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas I've always thought of her as, uh, Maggie Sawyer. Oh! Yeah, she's in Supergirl! Yeah, she's Alex's, like, person for a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I've always imagined, like, so in the in the comics, Maggie Sawyer is, like, short-haired, blonde police officer woman, which is kind of how, like... Radiating big lesbian energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In terms of look, that's kind of always what I, like, imagined Betsy as. And the reason I, like, I bring this up, too, is, like, Betsy's actually based off, like, a real person who has that same haircut. <laughs> See, to me, Betsy has basically looked like Roseanne. <laughs> <laughs> Intr- yeah, that's, that's, I've repeatedly described what she looks like. <laughs> I've ignored it entirely. It's 100% because of her name. 100%. Because Betsy is not the name that you imagine looks like Maggie Sawyer. So <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I created this character like 10 years ago, like when half of this, like she was one of the first characters I created and it was based off, I just really liked the name Betsy Bullard, which is the name of my stepmom's friend. Oh my goodness. Like first and last? Oh yeah, yeah. That's her name. Oh. <laughs> You've just been really attached to that name. So you're like, I'm keeping yeah. this. Yeah, I took that. Well, because a, a lot of the initial characters and some still, some of the canon characters are still based off people I know. Uh, whether in personality or in looks or in name. Does she listen to our podcast? I highly, highly doubt it. <laughs> she should. Does she, have you told her? I haven't talked to her in like 10 years, so. Oh, okay. But your mom knows. Uh, it just follows my one rule, my main rule of always alliterate. <laughs> That's, yeah. I do love we were when we were talking about like naming like characters after people, and I was like, we should name characters after like us. And I went, oh, you can't use my name. Uh, so yeah, you. Uh, Yardak met with Betsy, kind of had a little bit of a wrong foot starting, which really kind of derailed my plans for your relationship with Betsy. <laughs> really? Yeah. What, did you think they were going to be, like, besties? I didn't think they were going to be besties, I just didn't think they would have an animosity right off the bat, so, like, that half the reason you end up going on a mission with her later was, like, I need them to at least have, like, some kind of, like, re- I need them to have, like, some kind of respectful, like, uh, working relationship. I never outright disliked her, I just didn't trust her. You definitely made statements different than that. <laughs> yeah, well. Anyway, uh, so yeah, you met with her, and then you all met in the lobby when you met for the first time, uh... And that was when mm-hmm. that was when the Cornian was brought in, and Betsy was like, "This is a big deal. This is an alien shapeshifter." <laughs> and then we finally and then ca- we finally captured. And then her we spilt Rachel's blood on yeah. it. Yeah, well, it Ruby's a- blood on it. Yeah, yeah. Rachel's blood yeah. was nowhere near. <laughs> Same thing. Rachel so, Ruby. What's the difference? So yeah. Um. So the the container containing the container that held the Cornian <laughs> alien shapeshifter container that contains the contained thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it like basically the cornean inside like lurched and moved the box and like basically knocked Alvarado over and the blood that she was the blood vial she was holding like just fell and fell onto it and supercharged it more or less. Yeah, way to go, Alvarado! It broke Lydia. out. You guys had to track it down to a mall and fight it. Yes, Hell and yeah, I threatened did. it. With, I threatened it by making a giant match. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, because <laughs> cornians are basically tree people. Like they're susceptible to fire. Mm-hmm. They're like evil Groots. Yeah, evil evil, evil Groots. Uh, Groot, Groot skulls. Or scrolls. Okay. Groot scrolls. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then you guys recaptured it, 
but in the process, uh, your new ally at the time, Agent Alan Rickard, uh, got knocked the F out into a coma. Yep. Yep. Rachel what was it? A, a, a short coma? No, there was a term you used, and it was like... Oh, what was that term? It was, yeah, it was uh, a mild coma. Yeah, the appar- and we learned that Ruby should not ask for NPCs' names. Yeah. <laughs> it is a death sentence. It's also a headcanon of mine that Ruby is basically Madison Montgomery from Coven. <laughs> I do not understand that reference. Madison Montgomery she- has a murder vagina. I mean, any guy she has sex with, she kills them. I like I like murder vagina. That should be like a band like, name. The, the act of the act of having sex with her kills them. That's what I was wondering. Is that so? Okay, it wasn't that they just happen to die or she murders them later. No. The act of having sex kills them. It's like a full on. It's like a like war sexual version of like what happens when Rogue makes out with people. Oh, okay. So does does that mean she like has sex with people she hates? Yeah. Oh okay. yes. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. So then you guys recaptured it and we were watching over and that was basically like. That was the last thing that happened right before we started recording. Or actually, we might have even recorded that episode, but I think the files were, like, corrupted. Well, we didn't record that episode. I'm pretty sure we did, but that, like, the, like I, someone someone's audio got messed up or, or something. I forget what exactly happened, but I remember there was a reason that I wasn't able... Oh, that's right, because that was before I had everyone start recording themselves, so it was all on one file, and the audio was just not great. Uh... Yeah. So that was like one of the first things I learned was that I needed to figure out a way to separate audio tracks. Out of curiosity, do you have that saved anywhere? I'd have to find it. I might have deleted it at this point, or I de- yeah. or if I had separate files, I forget. I just remember there was something really wrong that I had to de- that I basically was like, "This is not." Even though the first episode we released wasn't that super great of audio quality, this one before that was truly like unacceptable to me. And I was like, and I and I thought to myself, I was like, this is, I was like, this isn't so crucial to the story that I have to have this because I was able to use our pilot as an intro still. Um, and that was what, well, yeah, that was opportunity costs, the pilot episode. So someone talk about that. <laughs> we fought Brigand. Um, Brigand broke into RCI. Which is where Myra's brother works. Red, Red Crystal International. Well, yeah, where uh, Mo Hassan works. He was stealing a lot of things. Like, he had stolen something earlier, and he had figured out that he was going to go and steal um, a sub. Yeah, basically. From a trade show mm-hmm. while it was en route, which is where the first time we met uh, security guard Ruth Day. Well, not the first time we met her. She was... No, that was the first time we met her. No. No, yes, it was. I Because <laughs> remember, because I was like, Ruth, you're here? That was the second time when she was a... Uh... She was our waitress. I, I thought it was the other way around. She brought us fries, I think, or something that was like... Mozzarella sticks that uh, that drunk Alvarado was all in and on. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, yeah, so in the first thing, you guys fought Brigand, who was like a master thief, who like... We, I want to run into him again. He was cool. Cool villain. Okay, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you liked him. That's the great thing about superhero things, especially where the villain escapes at the end. They can come back. You stopped him, basically. He was stealing a combination of like an underwater like dive suit. A uh, like a specialized like deep water dive suit, specialized sub, and uh, like a basically a water powered hydrogen bomb. Mm-hmm. Well, he also had the boots. Well, that was something he already had. That wasn't part of like the things mm-hmm. he was stealing for that mission. Like so, yeah, like Brigand's thing, and I and I touched on this a little bit is that he like uses the tech that he steals if he's not like if it's not something he's being paid to steal, like he'll steal it and just so he has something to use on the next mission. Hmm. We should bring him back too because he's still alive. 
Oh, and he also had like a thing like you fail like some dude being like you failed me at the end. Yeah, so that was the first time we did like a post credit scene, and I think I did that for the second episode too. And I've been trying to think about because I enjoy doing those, but it was hard to make it work every time when not every single like like not everything was a one shot. Mm-hmm. So I basically thought I'm going to start regulating that to like maybe the last like part of a of an arc will have one, like before the next arc starts. Makes sense. So yeah, the next uh, episode was the beginning of uh, In the Pale Moonlight, which was our second arc. Love that title. <laughs> uh, so that was the one that started off with you guys at the bar, where you ran into Ruth Day, and you were all hanging out with Dr. Alvarado, and like trying to get chummy with her. And we had mozzarella sticks, didn't we? And you had mozzarella sticks. I remember that. So yeah, so that was, uh, you met with her, she got real drunk. <laughs> yeah, she did. And then told us she was into romance novels. You know what? God bless. Read your fanfic, girl. Yeah. Good for you. And, uh, yeah, that was when you saw that there was, like, an attack going on at a concert at the park. With, uh, Carly Exclamation Point. Yes, the two bands that we've established so far, Carly Exclamation Point and Firemasters. Firemasters, yes. (laughs) I kept saying Carly really loudly. It's like Carly Rae Jepsen, like, that's who you think of. No, Carly Exclamation Point, remember, it's important to their brand. I also thought it was just yelling Carly, and that you have to yell it every time. Carly! Carly! (laughs) Well, that's what they would like you to do, yes. God, that's obnoxious. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you guys rushed to the concert, was the main thing, and the police were already there. And that's where we met- is his name Ulrich? You didn't meet him quite yet, but you met- Yeah. uh, You met his alter ego, Night Beast. (laughs) Night Beast? I forgot that he had that because we like him. He's a cool dude. He just got some issues. Yeah, it's just his furry little problem. He has lycanthropy. <laughs> All the best people do. All the best people have lycanthropy specifically? Yeah. Interesting. Oh, uh, so so you were Team Jacob then? Oh, I forgot about that one. Ew. So yeah, so you like you basically chased him down through the city with Officer David Winslow? Oh yes. <laughs> Carl Winslow. <laughs> no. <laughs> no such person exists. Or actually no, I think we established that Family Matters was existed, but it only lasted one season. Oh. No one liked Urkel? Yeah, it, it it did not resonate in a in a superhuman universe, I guess. When some you lose some, that's showbiz. <laughs> so yeah, then you uh then you captured Ulrich when he turned into a human again, uh, and you like you were able to convince Union to like take him in, and Betsy was unha- was unhappy about that. Well, she had to get over it because we give people chances. Ulrich was a nice dude. And I keep bringing Ulrich like stuff to read and watch because I feel bad for him. Yeah, he's stuck in, in sub-level four of uh, Union Echo Base. Well, not anymore. Yeah, he is. What are you talking about? Didn't I, didn't they send him to some... Yeah, I thought... Or was that the magic girl? It was Serena that, like, escaped or something. No, she didn't escape. Nobody escaped. Somebody got moved. No, what what happened was, which... I don't know if Arcee's gonna cut this out, but... Gemini went and took her powers or something. Right. That's that. Yeah, Gemini. But she stayed there, right? Wow. Yeah. So, so you met, you did meet Serena, the sorceress, who was also imprisoned in Civil before when you brought Ulrich down and kind of got him acquainted with the area, with the uh, with his like living quarters. But yeah, so you during that mission was also when uh, Rickard woke up from his coma and you kind of got reacquainted with him and Gemini, who was happening hey. to visit. My favorite. It's <laughs> not even here, and she's trying to put the moves on him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, there's definitely been a, a flirtatious relationship between Agent Alan Rickard and Ruby Lawson. Even though he was in a mild coma for the majority of it. 
like that time they spent New Year's Eve together. Why this happened is what I asked when the first time like Alan Rickard like showed up. I jokingly asked, "Is he cute?" And then he got put into a coma, and I got concerned. Oh, by the way, and I want people to know that he came out of a coma with a southern accent. I take. I keep telling you, the coma didn't give him the accent. Don't. I don't believe you. So yeah, uh, you and then Gemini showed up, and and well, I don't know. Is it is Sama? Is it that you latched onto Gemini, or is it that you felt that the character of Myra would? Um. Well, both. I say, I feel like that was more Sama than anything. See, that's what I couldn't, I could never really be sure of. It's a little of both. I put a lot of myself into Myra, so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, her outfit is my two favorite colors, and she has my favorite power. I mean, Gemini's cool and all, but I'd already met Gemini. And and it's kind of funny, like, this is an example of how you guys really affect the narrative, is you guys fought so hard for Ulrich to, like, not turn back into a wolf that, like, and when you rolled really well, I was like, you know what, they're going to be successful. Because my original plan for him was to him to turn back into a wolf and escape to, you know... Murder more people? No, not necessarily murder more people. Like, he was going to escape, and then, like, that would be another reoccurring person that you could encounter. Oh, cool. No, but we liked him. We wanted him to stop being tortured. Yeah. And then you, like, brought him to Union and, like... Had to give a, a rousing, I think it was Yardek ended up giving a rousing speech to Betsy to convince her to, like, you know, hey, you gotta let him stay here because they wanted to ship him off to, like, another base for, like, you know, as a holding facility. No. And you were like, no, we want our friend nearby. <laughs> Good job, Yardek. Damn right. Listen to me, Betsy. And then it was the next mission where we had the first time you guys were separated, which uh, was interesting. Which one was that one? Well, because everyone was doing their own thing for a little bit. So you had Yardak, who was recruited by Betsy to go down to D.C. for Tristan Wagner's party. Tristan. So, like, he met... So Yardak got to know arms dealers and Bernard Allen, Australian uh, shipping magnet. (laughs) He's great. We're gonna do more things with Bernard. And, uh, yeah, that was when... I was gonna say, Ruby had her first... Like, that was the first time we really focused on uh, your... The filmmaking stuff. Mm-hmm. of your character like you know you got to meet um beckett smith your arch rival beckett smith gosh that's such a bully name and it was the first time we established like the character of azra jenkins who is your lead actress mm-hmm. i uh i do i don't remember if we say this in the episode but something i had established about beckett is his favorite filmmaker is terrence malick because that's the kind of pretentious guy he is i don't think we did that in the episode so i'm definitely gonna have to make make a note of that for my own remember my own memory I think I came up with that, like, why we were, like, coming up with, like, characters for Ruby's life. And I was like, a guy that's pretentious, he would love Terrence Malick. Because I... I don't know what that means. As a non-film student. He finds movies in the editing room, and so he just films and films and films like a maniac. And then cuts actors completely out of the film, and then makes them... And then he's literally had actors do press, and then watch the movie, and they're in two scenes. Wait, hold on. He he does what? Films like crazy and then, wait. And then he finds the movie in the editing room? He finds the, Despite- oh, so it's like a sculpture. Yeah, sure, except- That's if you want to make it sound like a positive thing. <laughs> um. So yeah, you met Beckett Smith. So yeah, we're on episode four, guys. We need to get to 19. <laughs> okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. So- you did your filming stuff, and then while you were doing that, uh, Gemini and Myra had to re- had to like uh, examine a bank that got mysteriously robbed. Oh yeah, and that was uh, an experience. Um, we found out that it was a woman named Emily Hahn, and that she had a unique kind of power that Gemini couldn't replicate. Yeah, she could phase through things and become insubstantial. So like Gemini, for whatever reason, couldn't even touch that. 
I believe it really freaked her out. Um, yeah. Because that's and when she decided to go and, like, take Serena's powers to do something about it. I don't know if that was ever, like, proven. I think it, we just had evidence to believe that, right? Uh, no, 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 because you actually had a guard tell you that Gemini came down and, and did that. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, I was saying the big thing was, like, you never saw the, you, you didn't see the fight, though. That was the next episode, though, because I had joined them by this point. Yeah, so then then you guys roped, you know, after that experience, you roped Ruby into it, and you basically, like, had to find her. Oh, we had to save, we had save the bank manager. Right, yeah, you had to save the bank manager because um, Emily was basically targeting him. We had to save Alex. Yeah, you had to save Alex. And uh, so you got him, you took him to sub level four, thinking that'd be safe. <laughs> and uh, she totally put her hand through a guard as a show of force. Right after, right after we found out what his name was. <laughs> yep. So the curse continues. It was Myra and Ruby versus Emily, uh, who I eventually nicknamed Wraith. Oh, right. Ooh. And I did like there was a moment in that where like Ulrich was trapped in the cell and not able to help, and like very clearly like worried about you guys. Cause Ulrich's a good guy. Yeah, Ulrich's a good guy. See Betsy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, so you had that fight while Yardak was down in DC, um, getting hoity-toity with uh, with arms dealers. Yeah, and eventually you got to know Wagner, and you thought you were on a good place, but then uh, Adrian Hughes, billionaire tech mogul, billionaire bitch. Yeah, so you discover that she eventually discovered. So basically, you had to hide from all of Tristan's guards once you got found out, and you didn't have any water with you because you know you were in a tuxedo. That's what you get for dressing fancy. Yeah, put yourself at a disadvantage. Uh, I liked that, though, because you had to keep sneaking through the tower to get out and avoid guards. Oh my god, it took so long. <laughs> it, did, it did take longer. I could have made that better, I'm sure. But, yeah, so you did that, and then eventually you fought Adrian Hughes outside, and she had, like, pills that gave her powers. Slam packs. Yeah. Well, no. The slam packs are something different. Related. Uh, but the pills gave her, uh, you really weren't sure what to do, because the pills gave her telepathy tel- and telekinesis were the main things. And also, wasn't couldn't she like make earthquakes or something? Well, she used the, that was her, with the telekinesis. Oh, okay. Because yeah, you seemed really concerned that she had like earthquake powers, and I kept trying. You out of character. You seemed really confused when I tried to explain to her to explain to you that she was using telekinesis. Yeah, because it just like we just like really hard like glare at the earth and make it shake. <laughs> like yeah, telekinesis is the ability to move things. I guess Earth is a thing. It's a really big thing. I mean, she wasn't necessarily moving the whole thing. She was moving the area around you. I guess. Anyway, uh, yeah, you fought her, and I, uh, I did, I, I did a little bit of a, a little bit of GM discretion that you wanted to break her neck. Yeah, and you wouldn't let me. Yeah, I'm sorry that I didn't let you just murder her after after you broke her leg and incapacitated <laughs> her. I was like, yeah, you. Bre-, I was like, I think I said the pressure you do breaks her collarbone instead. Yikes! And then uh, you took her into custody. Weak. <laughs> Yeah, and then you also took uh, Emily uh, Han into custody, too. Uh, so I was going to say, I feel like it's because at that point in time is when I was really getting into playing my Barbarian in my D&D group. And I was just 100% a murder hobo. So when I was faced with Adrian, I was like, snap her neck! <laughs> Die! I feel like I've always had to curb your murder hobo impulses. I'm getting better now that I play a druid. Yeah, so I was say, that was that, that was the entirety of... Uh, life of the party. That was that arc. So again, I was say depending on anything, but that was our third arc, and then after that was the level up episode. No, wait, no, 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 no. It was not. It was the 
uh, it was the New Year's episode. Oh. Oh, no. No. I don't want to talk about that shit. That one's like a filler, so... Yeah, you, you time travel. You time traveled with uh, Elon Musk from the year 69420. Don't forget that he was Italian. Italian Elon Musk from the year 69420. That is a very important aspect. Again, I want to tell everyone, he did not tell us what was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, I usually don't, I don't give you a lot of indication of what's going to happen, but I think I did specifically say, like, this is going to be a sillier episode than normal. Yeah, silly. Silly is what you used to describe it. <laughs> not batshit insane. Am I not at least a fun GM? <laughs> You're something. Debatable. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> at least you're not predictable. But wait, be- wasn't before the New Year's episode the uh, the Hollow Knight? Oh, that was actually pre-recording, so that was actually, I was wait, wrong, was there it? was one more. Yeah, because that was, um, that oh, was- Oh, I think that was- when we went to there, we did the, when we went to Union, we did the Hollow Knight. Yeah, so that was- And it then was... as we left, the Chlorian got out. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. It was uh, before that. You're right. Before the Cornian thing, you actually did a, something in. We actually haven't been back there yet, but the horns was like our holodeck equivalent. Um, mm-hmm. And like, so the first time you guys ever met up, you actually fought there against. Uh, it was a Nazi program, like fighting Nazis. Oh, yeah. And then after the Cornian incident, but before the first recorded episode, you did you did a thing against. Uh, it was a bunch of hostages in a bank. And you also at the same time had to fight a giant holographic robot knight. <laughs> Which gained minor sentience before you had to sh- before you were able to shut it down. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So after so skipping way back ahead now, after New Year's, uh, we had the level up episode, um, which was uh, drowning lessons. Was that was um, for me? Was I just fighting with Bethany in that episode? <laughs> that was an episode where you were fighting with Bethany, uh, and you also talked. Oh, that was right because uh, it was um, post. Oh, you know what? Post coma. No, I yeah, it was no, no, but I did get my timeline mixed up. Uh, the the upgrade episode did happen first before New Year's. Before New Year's, yeah, because that was when Agent Alan Rickard showed up and said, "I'm going to be heading out." So yeah, Agent. So Agent Alan Rickard shows up and said that he was heading out, and Bethany was also like really upset with you because of when uh when you had to leave to fight Emily, like it was in the middle of a big filming scene, and she was like mm-hmm. unhappy about it. And then, yeah, I was, like, kind of flirty with Agent Alan Rickard, and then you took him away, like a rude person. I'm, so- I'm sorry that the boys you like either die or leave. <laughs> or actually oh, just the like boys my- you meet. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like my real love life. Oh. Non-existent. Oh, buddy. Um. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was your thing, and then you also got some upgrades, um, just based on, like, we kind of discussed, like, things that your character had been doing and, like, gotten better at. And also you were able to separate the razzle-dazzle from your illusions so you could, like, do both at the same time. That was a big thing. Yes. Uh, and then- Oh, yeah, we did mention, so when I fought, uh, Ulrich is the first time that I ever, like, did razzle-dazzle. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that was, like, because a, a big story Because I, thing. like, didn't know, like, like, I, Rachel- Yeah, we, we established it on your character knows. sheet, but I think we specifically said when we started that we wanted that to be a learned thing, and we weren't really sure when that was gonna happen. And I think it was yeah. at that time you decided, like- I'm being attacked by a werewolf. I think this is the time. This is the perfect story time for this. Yeah, I because I was like, oh, I wanted to be like a, at a, as a reaction to something, and I went, a werewolf. A new power would come out for being attacked by a fucking werewolf. Yeah. So, uh, and then yeah, back to what you were saying, Dan. Uh, that's when Ula Bryn showed up and like taught you how to turn like water into ice, and also encouraged you to follow your destiny. Those are my ice noises. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember why. Like what made my upgrade uh, i mean that was just a, a discuss- i think that we had that that you were training with um frank that day 
Like, I mean, and just in general, it was supposed to be a culmination of your agent training of like you getting but, better yeah, at but stuff. Because wasn't she by herself in the horns? I would, yeah, I was training on my own with Gemini. Oh, what what had happened was was that when was that when there was like Gemini clones? Yeah. When did when did Myra like officially become an agent? You were offered the opportunity to become an agent after the Ulrich incident. And you thought about it for a while, um, and then you gave the answer, and that was during the Emily arc, the Emily-Tristan arc. That was the first time. Like, that was when you started becoming an agent. Oh, right. The end of the level up is when I got my suit. Yes, that was when Frank presented you with your suit, which you're, you had always um, described to me, and I had Jen, uh, Jen Evans, who does the art, I had her draw your character in that, but like it was kind of just established up to that point you were just wearing regular clothes, and Frank was like, here's a super suit. And I was like, gasp! Yeah, so, like, you did some training that day, and that's when we kind of, like, justified your leveling up time. So then after all of that, it was the step-up arc, which was kind of the first time I started slowly forcing you guys to separate yourself from Union in a way. Oh, yeah, when we had to go on our own little missions that were not necessarily Union-sanctioned. The main thing I've always tried to push is I didn't want Union to be the crutch of, like, oh, man, it's a real bad situation, we better call Union. We better go to headquarters and... Oh, yeah, so that's why everybody went on their own, like, everyone at Union and their mother went to, like, somewhere else and could not be <laughs> the, called the for funny help. Thing, the funny thing is that's the first episode that got put out, so everyone, I think people were probably confused of, like, what the hell is Union? True, yeah, in in, in opportunity costs, that was, like, yeah, it was quickly established, that, like, I because, again, I, I've always kind of had to find reasonings as to, like, well, especially because in the beginning, you guys, your first instinct was always, oh, we better call the authorities, and I kept trying to find a way, like, I first... He's like, you are the authorities! Like, that's what I was trying to make, like, I was trying to, it was not the most graceful way I could do it by having Union just be gone, but, like, I had noticed a pattern of you guys doing stuff like that, and I had to be like, all right, they can't call on Union this time, and then later on, I just wanted to make it that, like... I needed to establish, like, I didn't want to have to, like, kill a bunch of agents, like, because like, that was going to be my next step, like, if you guys didn't. Just there aren't agents to call now. Well, yeah, I was, well, no, no, my next thing was, like, if you guys kept doing that, trying to find reasons to call Union, I was going to have a bunch of agents show up and get massacred. To traumatize us? Because, like, yeah, like, I needed to be established, like, you guys are more, more capable than a bunch of human agents, because you're super-powered people. I mean, fair. To be fair, I'm not that strong. I mean, that's Ruby and Rachel. But yeah, so in Step Up, it was the first time, so you guys all went out, and you also got to meet Austin Yates, like, we kind of officially established him as a character, as your bartender, uh, and then you fought, uh, against, well, actually, you'd kind of chased down a lead about a gang fight, uh, but you didn't find anybody, and then you all went home for the night after some drinking, uh, and that's when Austin and just showed Austin, up. Austin broke into my apartment? Yep. When, again, I know him. He could have knocked on the door. Because, yeah, he had put two, to two, two and two together that, like, who you are. I, um... Oh, it's also when I had to explain how I knew Yardak, I lied and said I met, we a met... Space Cadet Convention. At a Space Cadet Convention. <laughs> space, yes. Cadet Convention, no. <laughs> space, yes. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So you met Austin, and Austin basically was, like, I'm the local hero everyone's been talking about. Also, there's gangs that I need help fighting. Also, I'm injured, and then he didn't want me to get the other two up. I think you were probably trying to, like, separate us, and I was like, no, Yardak can heal, and he has a bullet wound. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Well, I mean, I also wanted to kind of be like that, like, so this was a thing, like, with Yardak. Yardak tried to push uh, Austin about, like, joining Union, and I did, again, this is a situation where I wasn't trying to get this point across, but you took it that way, Dan. I just wanted to be like, no, 
you're trying to like get him to like up, like join union to like train and upgrade his powers, and I want to be like, no, he's already hit his peak. He's this is as good as he gets. He was, I felt like he was being a butthole. You always feel like people are being buttholes. They usually are. It is the default assumption. Butthole. Be fair. There was at one point where he was being a bargain bin Oliver Queen, who's already bargain bin Batman. So yeah, yeah, Austin tried to pull you in, and you guys basically more or less agreed to help, like, look into it, and that was when you found out that there was a new member of the Blue Cross gang who was the old mugger that uh, Ruby first fought. Rude. Still rude. I still remember all your reactions to that, of <laughs> everyone was, like, real happy about it. But yeah, so then you fought him, got info, and fought the Blue Cross gang, because uh, they were selling slam packs. Fucked them right up. Slam packs. And slam packs are those drugs that give them... Superpowers, right? Basically, like, su- like super strength. Uh, so, yeah. So, then you fought them, got the slam packs captured, got to meet cool new detective lady, uh, Zoe Shepard. Yeah. I liked her. She was cool. So, Step Up was, I was like, let me say what, we're up to episode 19 now. Step Up was seven episodes. It was seven episodes? Yeah, it was almost half of everything we've been doing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, what was this supposed to last that long? Did we, like... Uh, well, well, what do we do? We went long a couple episodes, uh, and just, like... The story developed slowly? Yeah, there was, like, there was more story, and, like, you know, I don't want to cut a lot of things out. Like, I was say, a lot of people don't realize this, but, like, when we record probably a two- or three-hour session, I usually get that down to, like, between an hour, an hour and a half. So, like, about half the things we say get cut out, either because it's a lot of, like, trying to figure out the rules, or trying to, um, you know, you guys... Di- or you guys discussing stuff before you do it, and I just, just like... I was like, I can condense this and make it sound more eloquent. Mm-hmm. Bitch, I'm eloquent. No, no, it's not the job. I'm just saying, like, if I if I can if I cut out half the things you say, it sounds like you came to the conclusion a lot quicker. <laughs> or we just get like on tangents about how much we hate Terrence Malick, like that. Yeah, kind of that kind of thing, that like that, <laughs> like the like the three minutes I'm gonna have to cut out of you talking about Terrence Malick. Yeah, I was say it was just a solid block. We're just gonna. Yeah. So. But yeah, so like we end up editing out. So like that when I originally start writing an arc, I do try to imagine how long it's gonna go, and I imagined like four four episodes for that. <laughs> we almost doubled that. Yeah, but again, like it was totally worth it in my opinion. I hope everyone really liked it. Yeah, I, re- I love that arc. Like, like, like I again, I hope that like you're liking the the characters that I'm establishing in this in this yeah. world. I like the final fight. Yeah. In the house. Yeah, that fight. Oh. Especially, I love, uh, we brought, like, Bethany a little bit more into the fold, I feel like. Yeah, well, because she, she got captured. So you guys have, like, always kind of been like, what is Bethany up to? Because, like, for, well, I guess I say always because that was, like, half of the episodes we've done is that one arc. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's been a little while where Dan was convinced that, that either Bethany was the leader of the Blue Cross gang or had powers or... No, not, not the leader, but, like, in the gang in some way. Involved. Or addicted to slam packs or something. Not, I, a friend of mine that listened to the podcast, uh... Tell me he was worried that Bethany was going to be turned into a supervillain. So. See, but really, she's a, uh, what, middle-class white girl film student. She's done drugs. Yeah, but I wouldn't imagine, I, I imagine Bethany being such an anxious character that she did not do hard drugs. <laughs> Maybe just some pot. I feel like she did pot once and it made her too anxious. Yeah, yeah. Bethany's, like, not, like, Bethany, I imagine in a lot of ways, like, so the reason I had you guys come up with your own, like, NPCs when we first started is I wanted... I wanted each character to be able to act as, like, if they had their comic book, they were their own fully realized, like, cast. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, I imagine in a lot of ways, like, Bethany is the moral center for, for like, uh, Ruby's Ruby's story. 
mm-hmm. moral center. I mean, Ruby has some pretty good morals. Bethany is the only reason Ruby doesn't do counterfeit money. <laughs> no, all right, yeah, you're right. Moral center is probably the wrong word, but I, I imagine Bethany as like the, the, the heart. Yeah, she's the heart of the show, like the Xander. She, mm-hmm. you, you can look at her and know, like, yeah. So I've been, yeah, I've been trying to create these cool characters. So like Austin and Bethany and Beckett Smith and Azra, and I was saying we haven't dealt as much with Yardax um, NPCs because of them being kind of separated in Atlantis. Yaradamo, bring him back. But I did it, like, when you latched onto Ruth Day, I did want to figure out a way to bring her, like, I liked how you thought a way to bring her in, because I wanted to give you more characters. Because Ruth's pretty cool. Is there, I was going to say, we should take a trip to Atlantis so I can meet your friends, but I don't, can I go to Atlantis? Um, it's at the actual bottom of the ocean. Can they grant you temporary gills? Yeah. I don't think, I, you know what, I'll, I'll write that down as a potential idea. <laughs> but, um, but similarly, like, uh, like, Mo and- we use and- Gillyweed? Use Gillyweed. Yes. We'll get to that later. Gillyweed is a thing, 100%. Mo and Hazima, I really, um, like, uh, those are, like, examples of, like, the characters for um, Myra. And and so, in talking about that, like, we're going to come around to the newest arc on both your houses, because, like, if it's not obvious by now, like, Myra, uh, R- Sama's leaving the show. My next great adventure. I was like, I felt like... I felt like we made that pretty obvious, but I was like, now's the opportunity to really say it, like, right. for sure. In case anybody didn't know yet, um, I will be leaving. I really hope, Sama, that you did like the arc I created, because I wanted to give, I didn't want to make it on rails. Like, there was, I was like, if, if it wasn't obvious, there was a lot of opportunities of, like, different ways you, you and all the characters could have gone. Right, and that's why I kept thinking you are going to kill me off. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad that didn't happen. Uh, yeah. No, it was so. a lot of fun. Oh, that would be the mission that we end up going with you when originally when uh, Archie was like setting her on that mission. Both Dan and I were like, "Oh, this is how she's leaving." Oh Ex- yeah. Oh right, anything. right. So so and, there was a and part. She had to be like, "This isn't how she's yeah, leaving." There was a part where the new director of Union offers me a mission to go on and says that I can bring some friends and who can I bring? So. Obviously, because Myra is, like, obsessed with Gemini, she picks Gemini. Um, and then she doesn't say Ruby or Yardak, because You tried to pick I Mo, which that... I was just so thrown off by. Well, yeah, because I thought you were telling me to leave, and I was, like, surprised that it was early, because I was like, don't I have, like, three more episodes left? I don't know. Um... But yeah, that was funny. I was like full on there. I was like, oh, I guess I'm yeah. leaving already. Cool. See, Archie, <laughs> if the three of us all had that same thought, then I'm not weird for thinking it. It basically it became that game where it's like, what would you save in a fire? And Sama was just like, ah, uh, my, um, my friend, my brother, uh, my laptop, let's go. <laughs> I mean, no, no, I didn't think you were weird. I just like, I had to stop you and I had to like keep you from painting me into this corner of you. Like, because then I would have had to do that entire arc and I had no backup plan for this is this is the one time I've not made a backup plan for what Yardak and Ruby were going to do otherwise. What you could have done is you could have instead of asking me to pick people, you could have just assigned my team as director. To be fair, we're not agents, so they can't just be like. I didn't think about that. I just assume you guys are because you're working with me all the time. And that'll be interesting too. Um, we, I do want to talk about a bit about like on both your houses, even though it just finished. But it'll be interesting to see now how you guys connect with Union and like the greater you know, like superhero community now that you don't have like someone like that is directly connected with you. Like, I mean, it's not that you don't have friends. Like, obviously, Doctor Alvarado is still there. You know, 
uh, Zach Ramos and Kevin and Kevin Lewis. And uh, oh, what, uh, what the new doctor? What's his name? Not the oh, new. Oh, uh, Sloan Matthews, the guy you just went on the mission with. Yes. I will find it interesting to see like how you guys choose to connect with them if you do, because like I'm, I'm trying to give you guys more opportunities to choose your storylines. Well, now that they know that they're no point to be in contact with. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like what in this episode we gave Myra like her I gave you an opportunity to like be in charge of something, and I how did you feel about that? Oh, I had a great time being the leader of a mission. See, I think of my I think of Myra a lot like a cross between. Miss Marvel and the Flash, but also I realized later that there is a part of um, Daisy Johnson slash Sky in her. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what I've pictured from the very beginning. The whole part of dreaming of being an agent and uh, like wanting to be important in that respect. Because when I look at Myra's story arc, like throughout the whole thing, because I kind of like I try to pay attention to like what you guys are saying and like what you seem that your characters want to give you the opportunities to do that. I don't know if I'm always successful, but uh, but I saw like you. I was like, what could my what could Myra's story be? And I was like, she seems like someone who wants to do good, and Union needs people who want to do good. So I was like, I'm gonna. I offered you that thing, and I was I gave you like I I made it specifically a, a post credits thing because I wanted to give you like in between like opportunity to decide like is this Just where like I want Myra's that. story to go? Right. Yeah, like, like in a literal sense, like the character was sleeping on it, but also like you had the opportunity <laughs> to decide because like, you know, and then like it was about like her learning what it means to be an agent and working with people and, and leading and stuff like that. And so like I thought her being sent on a secret undercover mission was like a good art end of that. Stealthy. But also I thought her choosing to go with her family or stay with her family um was another option like like basically if you had chosen not to do that it would have probably ended up that like mo and hazima would have moved uh to the west coast with your fa- with, with the rest of the family okay yeah i think that was another thing that was throwing me off i was like i don't know if you're trying to tell me to leave or not leave or whatever pretty much like whichever way you would have chosen would have been an opportunity to leave okay whether it was dying on mission. Yeah, uh, which is what I kept thinking was going to happen. I thought it was going to turn into a zombie. Abandoning everybody. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, or becoming a zombie. Like, I guess, I mean, I guess there was like a, more of a, like a 5% chance of becoming a zombie. Because okay. like, if you would have actually had a more, if you would have had a more drawn out fight with the zombies, they definitely would have tried to bite you guys. Oh and I would have been interested to see what happens after that. Wow. Were we supposed to have a more drawn out fight with the zombies? Because I like put a thought. Oh, you totally sidestepped that. That was a <laughs> good yeah, more like, uh, hashtag nope. <laughs> We've seen the horror movies. We know how they go. Well, that was one of the reasons I wanted, that's the one of the reasons I ended up throwing in the mech fight into the next episode, because I was like, alright, they need to have some ass-kicking opportunities. <laughs> but also some opportunities to get their ass kicked. My favorite moment of that fight, actually, was, um, I think sometimes I just like using Ruby as a punching bag. Oh, <laughs> Rude! <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not very nice at all. Because all I was thinking about was when the guy reached through the smoke and grabbed you and, like, yanked you back. Yeah, this, um, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this girl with abilities, but not very strong, but she's trying her best. But she's trying I thought you were going to say that your favorite part was when I, like, tackled and slammed tackled? the person that was, across yeah. the That was pretty badass. I liked that. Because I don't, because I don't, I didn't really ever consider about your character tackling yeah. and what that meant game wise because of like it being based on your speed. Yeah, at one point you said, I really want Myra to do this, so. <laughs> I just, I, for whatever reason, because this is just who I am as a person and I'm obsessed with Pokemon, I just pictured a really pissed off Chansey using Double Edge. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to give you guys like, so 
a lot of times what I'm having to do is because you're all kind of having your own individual stories, I'm trying to think of like ways to weave them together. So yeah, uh, basically like at the end of that arc, like we set you up with like knowing a bit about uh, at this point is a rather certain connection between Red Crystal International and and uh, shit that's going down. Right. With the Black Crystal and the tattoos. Oh yeah, because there was people with tattoos of the like gang symbol. Ongoing, like that's pretty much where we're set up now. So we're so now that now that Myra's gone, we are going to be looking for a new player to not take your place, but to like you know I I feel like something like this works better with three people as opposed to mm-hmm. or four people as opposed to three three players and a and a game master. I just feel like it's a good a good balance. That's fair. We need a team. No, just, no, just Ruby, Ruby and Yard actually go on a road trip. Oh, uh, trust me, I have some. So I've been. One of the things I have been doing is making plans for what's going to happen until I find someone else. So, what what you got, Dan? Because it's still just me and Ruby, and I was, she was like, road trip. I was just picturing, like, we get, like, a message, and it's, like, from Betsy, where it's, like, Betsy's been on a hunting trip, and she hasn't <laughs> been back in a few days. And then just cute supernatural theme. Oh, my God. And it's just me and Ruby going across the country, Monster of the Week style. So, is this, like, you, season one of Supernatural, where you're trying to find your dad? Yeah. Let's do a quick ad before we kind of go to some of the Q&A portion. Hey, we're going to play one more snippet of RC's interview with Emily O'Neill, the lead developer of the new post-apocalyptic cyberpunk RPG, Harsh Generation. Are this going into beta now? Or are you about to, are you about to launch? Are we are in like a full full version now? Like what what is coming up exactly? I would say that this would be it's 90% complete. I'd say like pretty much everything that we have to complete is fine-tuning some things. Um Mm-hmm. There's probably a couple of mechanics that I'm going to change. A handful of things, but like the game proper, like the mechanics, the core of it itself, and most of the details are all done. So like I could hand somebody the rule book, they could play the game. There might be some typos, and it might not be as pretty as I want it to be, but like the game is is done, essentially. So if you want to know more, check out their website at harsharpg.com. So yeah, now, uh, now we're going to do a couple of questions uh, that we've gotten from audience members. All right, guys. So some of these, are, like, I feel like they're geared more towards me as the GM, but I want to kind of open them up and get like input. So question number one uh, is, who is the most popular musical artist? So Beyonce. before we start recording tonight, what'd you say? I said Beyonce always. All right, so we got to vote for Beyonce because we had talked about making it Carly exclamation point. Yeah, like... I was gonna, I was gonna say, is it not Carly exclamation point? <laughs> well, so like, but I guess no. Beyonce makes sense. Of course, it's Beyonce. <laughs> but wait, what was the name earlier that you said would make a good band name? Oh, Murder Vagina. Murder Vagina. <laughs> Murder Vagina. <laughs> they, like, people would... know them, but they're not Beyonce level. Okay, so yeah, are we still thinking that like the most popular, at least Western musical artist, is Beyonce still? Because like, the thing about this I mean, universe that we have to keep in mind is, like, we're talking about, and I've, and I've, and I've tried to, like, stay true to this, that's why there's, like, a different president and stuff, is, like, if you throw another large metropolitan city into the onto the Upper East Coast, it's going to drastically change, like, everything. Like, Connecticut in this world now gets, like, more House of Representatives. Oh. <laughs> but then there's also, like, the connections of, like, and I'm not telling you to change your answer, I'm just saying, like, there's also the connections of, like... If this major city exists, that might change the trajectory of different people's like life choices and stuff. Like people might go to Riverside instead of oh, yeah. New York or LA or something. So like, I'm not saying that again. Beyonce, Beyonce definitely still exists. We're not taking that part away. Damn right. <laughs> I have to imagine that if Beyonce is still the top artist, that like the hit song would be whatever Beyonce's top song is. I'm trying to think like what her is it. 
The Lemonade album has definitely been her biggest thing, right? I don't know it, but I don't know any of the song. Yeah, just Formation. Oh, Formation. I do actually know that one. Well, because the thing about Lemon is she doesn't even need, like, top hits anymore. Yeah, like, just she's is. just Beyonce. But I think that the biggest, like, I would say the biggest, like, traditional single would be Single Ladies, right? Okay. So, to answer the initial question, it is Beyonce still. <laughs> and whatever Beyonce has done. <laughs> there is no universe that can exist in which Beyonce is not the most famous. In throughout the multiverse, Beyonce is a constant. Yes. Amen. Um, a woman. <laughs> Although I did think about this, and I think there should be a like Hannah Montana su- like superhero. Oh yeah, like if someone who's a superhero isn't that Carly exclamation point? <laughs> no, no, no. Someone who's a superhero by day, and then like a pop star by night. How do you know that Carly exclamation point is not a superhero? Yeah, you don't know what you don't know what they're up to. RC. No. Is Carly Exclamation Point a superhero? It's 100%. We're going to eventually find My- Myra down the road, and she's going to be in a band called Murder Vaginas, <laughs> where she <laughs> rocks on stage all night and then fights bad guys by day. I imagine this character wears combat boots. Yeah. So, okay. So, yeah, there's a, there's the potential of a... Um, Hannah Montana-esque... Hannah Montana-esque superhero. So listen for a future intel drop where that might come up. Stay tuned to find out. All right, so another question was, what is the role, what is Harry Potter's role in this universe? In a universe where magic is real and known about, what is Harry Potter's role? We just said earlier that um, Gillyweed is 100%, a million percent thing, so. No, you guys said that, and I did not agree. <laughs> yeah, well, we outrule Majority you. rules, and even if I wasn't here, there's still majority, so. This isn't a democracy. This is arseocracy. It's a dictatorship. <laughs> Did you just say it's an arseocracy? My my mom will say this is not a democracy, it's a dictatorship about her classroom. She's a kindergarten class teacher. Beautiful. <laughs> so I would say Harry Potter's role in the universe, though, is very similar. Like, still, even though this world is filled with magical people, like, people still look for... The Institute of Secrecy is still a thing. So wait, are, we sa- are, are you trying to imply now that all the things from... Statute? How do you pronounce that word? statute but i'm trying are you again are we, you're trying to work it in that harry potter is is happening in this universe that they share a similar that they share a universe it is the same universe see whereas i'm <laughs> trying to say that harry i am sure that jk rowling would confirm don't even get me started on those memes dear god <laughs> what you don't know is that jk rowling made yardak gay right i was gonna say she's probably the most excited about yardak's booty call so I was going to say, there's the biggest problem here, is you're implying that J.K. Rowling is the god of the Mayhem cast universe. <laughs> and I don't like that. I'm trying to think who would be god, and for, for, like, of, like, all the characters we met, and somehow it would turn out not to be, like, Gemini. We're back to Beyonce. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, like, uh, Dogma, it's God's little Atlantis Morissette. Yeah, headcanon can- accepted. <laughs> Atlantis Morissette is the form by which God takes, uh... When when they come to the universe, bless. But also, Harry Potter is still a book series. Darn. Yeah, um, I think it's very popular. Ex- um, I would say, like, because we, when we established that, what does Myra read? Because we established, I think that like she likes fantasy novels still. Right. So I definitely think there's still a place for like what we would consider fantasy fiction, even though like a lot of stuff we consider fantasy fiction exists in this world. I mean, I watch like a Star Trek, or like there's still and there's science fictiony stuff that's happening. So yeah. So, like, despite the existence of the supernatural and the superpowered, yeah. some things, and, and also the super sciences, like, some things are still yeah. popular. Yeah. But, alright, so this is a question 
I guess more so for like Dan how, uh, and and me to a point. How many Atlanteans are there? Oh, it's a whole society, just like it would be up here. So we kind of established that there's like the main there's Fort Sephora, which is like the main Atlantean city. Is there other cities, or are they all kind of just re- relegated to like is that is that all of it? Atlantis is everything surrounding Fort Sephora? Oh no, are there more cities outside of that? Yeah, no, there's definitely more, and it's, that's why it's we're at like Atlanteans because like that's like the base. So like you can still be an Atlantean, but you can be like a like Arctic Atlantean or like a yeah. bah- Bahamian. I have to imagine so. that like by far like there's way more atlanteans in atlantis proper around fort sephora for sure it's just like kind of like a like a sect outwards or like everything else would be like villages by comparison yeah so like how many would you say that is like so like again i imagine fort sephora as being like like what in the medieval times what would have been the equivalent of like a nation state yeah so like i don't know like a million total atlanteans something like that yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we, we can give them a good million. Or are they more of a rare species? No, because I wouldn't say rare, but just so secretive that, like, you think they're rare. Because mm-hmm. they clearly haven't had, like, the population growth. I mean, granted, I think that's in part because of their longer lifespan, mm-hmm. um, that they haven't had near the population growth of humans, because, like, again, if there's only a million of them compared to the uh, billions of billions, billions of humans, <laughs> yeah, seven seven 7.5 billion or seven whatever we're up to now. So, like, there's definitely a, a very, it's a very... Very set society. I don't. I'd be interested to see how much variation there would be between them. Because well, we kind of, we kind of, when we had when we drew had Yardak drawn, there was almost like a bit of a Pacific Islander vibe to it. A little bit. Some of the symbolism and like very, very beachy, obviously because of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like I'm like more like general Atlantean, so it can kind of. I just flash back to like that guy that always wears shorts even if it's snowing. <laughs> so like, yeah, like you might have like. A group of, like, Atlanteans that live around, like, the tropics, and, like, they would obviously be in, like, le- like way less. But then there's, like, regular Atlantis, where it's, like, not so much seasons, because they're underwater, but, like, more variant. Right. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna go, with, I'm still gonna stick with, like, a million. I think that's a good, yeah. good number. But I'd say probably, like, I'm gonna say, like, 80% of them live in Yeah, for sure. Atlantis proper. Ooh, Atlantis proper. Yeah. Sounds fancy. Like, because I don't think that, I don't think the Atlanteans claim the whole ocean as their territory. Damn right we do. Well, no, because otherwise, like, the Atlanteans would, like, drive out all, all, like, shipping containers and stuff. Like, there would have been a war previously. You don't know that. So, like, I feel like they really, they kind of, like, they have their areas of the ocean that they're theirs, but, like, they clearly don't take the whole ocean as theirs only. They're thinking about it, but Yardex like, they're cool, they're cool, it's fine. Yeah, I'm the only thing holding them back. (laughs) Oh, great. The murder hobo is the only thing holding back an army of <laughs> super-powered super people. Okay, so guys, so what are your characters' top favorite top favorites, such as food, books, movies, TV shows? So, uh, Sama, let's start with Myra. Well, I think we made it very clear earlier that Myra loves cheese. Mm, true. So, <laughs> Went gaga for those mozzarella uh, sticks. Yeah, um, definitely those for as far as food is concerned. Um, okay. And fantasy novels, we said. Right. Fantasy adventure is like her favorite genre of books and movies. What else? Uh, like movies and TV shows. Well, I guess that covers that. Um, so like the Black Cat, Ruby's film is going to be right up her alley. Oh, definitely. 100%. So what is uh, what are Ruby's favorite things then? Uh, Space Kitten. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I guess that's been... I'm trying to think of, like, what her favorite movie is. And for some reason, my head went Sunset Boulevard. 
Because that seems like a very film student, like, movie like a film student would be in. Very noir-y. Like, she likes a good mystery. No, I'm trying to think of, like, food. What? You know what? Ravioli. Ravioli, ravioli, give me the formioli. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, so this will be interesting. So Yardak, what would Yardak stuff be? Like, see, uh, I think I it was th- funny when I asked you this and you were like, how could he have a favorite food or whatever? <laughs> no, you said, what's his favorite fruit? And I was like, we can't grow fruit underwater. Absolutely. <laughs> First off, hydroponics. Yes, you can. <laughs> um, But no, I was like, damn, when you said ravioli, because I was going to say like his favorite food would be pasta because we can't have pasta underwater. <laughs> and like now that he's discovered, he just eats mass sums of like spaghetti. That could still be a thing. <laughs> Stuffed shells. But I was going to say his favorite movie. I have this headcanon where both Myra and Ruby had forced him to sit down and watch Finding Nemo and like compare and contrast and see if like things are correct. Yes. So he loves Finding Nemo because he had a fun time watching it. Absolutely. And it's also, hands down, my favorite movie. <laughs> I love Finding Nemo so much. It's very good. And then wait, what's the other one? Food, books, movies, TV shows. Books. Um... What would a 200-year-old transplant? <laughs> I imagine that Yardak would read books about, like, politics. Yeah, it'd be more like, not so much. I wouldn't be reading for leisure right now. It'd be more like... I'd say human history. Yeah. More nonfiction. Like, yeah, human history would be my first thought. Just like, I didn't choose a favorite book, and then I... Fuck it. I'll just go with my favorite book. It's Emma. Like... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Ruby... Of course Ruby likes Jane Austen. <laughs> Of course, it's a character played by me. I don't... What do you mean people don't like Jane Austen? Does not compute. Uh, okay, so this one was a very specific one of what are the top three favorite types of fruit for each character? I'm gonna say <laughs> grapes, apples, and blueberries. I like berries. Or Myra okay. likes berries. I say I feel like she's making a lot of smoothies. Yes. She needs those calories. Mine would be bananas, limes, and raspberries. Okay. How did Yardak, because it's really the only one that applies, how did Yardak come to, um... <laughs> come to like these fruits? Because Daniel likes those flavors. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but also, just like, I don't know, general eating. I, other than, there's really no, like, backstory. I don't know how there could be a backstory to that. Just like he is eating. <laughs> I don't. That's what I got. Maybe we were like, try this one. Yeah, this I was going to say, that's the kind of thing yeah. I'm imagining. Like, they were just, like, giving you a whole bunch. Of, like, you were just in the union mess hall just being, like, force-fed different things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, I never really established this, but uh, a lot of these questions today came from at Jamie Hufflepuff uh, and at Luna Tuna Rocks. Hey. Hey. Um, well, but this was contentious what I asked. Can I say tomatoes? <laughs> it is a fruit. It is a fruit. It has seeds. It, it's a fruit. It ha- It is a fruit. But it does not go into a fruit salad. I can't. We never told you you had to make a fruit salad. It's definitely still a fruit, even if you don't put it in salad. Okay, this is based on the fact that I know people find this weird. Rachel fucking loves tomatoes. I don't find that weird. Ugh. All right, Dan finds that weird. Eat them like an apple? I mean, apples are good, too. No, I think would you eat a tomato like an apple? Yeah, just- or you just bite into the damn tomato like a weirdo. No, because, no, because big tomatoes are too hard for that. You get... You you snack on grape um like cherry tomatoes. Okay, so you eat cherry tomatoes like they're grapes. Yeah. Rachel knows her tomatoes. Yeah, and then if you and if you want to uh, snack on a big tomato, you slice it up. Yeah, because if you just bite into it, you're a sociopath. 
<laughs> okay, and then I was thinking uh, apples and grapes. Okay. Oh, hey, we can make smoothies together. Strawberries, if, like, I have to name another non-tomato fruit. <laughs> I actually, like, never eat smoothies. Like, this is a racial thing, because I have an intolerance. Drink whatever they are. I don't know. But I have an intolerance to bananas, and almost every single, like, smoothie I've ever seen, like, you buy somewhere. I think you, I think Ruby and Myra would still make smoothies together, because Myra hates bananas. Oh, perfect. Wait, Myra hates bananas, or you hate bananas? I hate bananas. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all just can't just keep naming traits and saying that those are also your character traits. But they are. We can do what we want. Like, okay, to be fair, food's hard to, like, if it's a food you hate, it's, like, hard to pretend you love it. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, Myra loves bananas. Jamie, uh, one of the questions that you asked was, have you thought about creating transcripts of episodes? Yes. We have. (laughs) We've made a couple episodes, but frankly, it's just... It's a lot. I'm a very busy person, and it's hard enough for me to keep up with the episodes, and I've been failing at that lately, so I've been really trying to get better at that. But transcripts just take so long. Like even Because an automated transcript, um, with how many people we have talking, it's just, yeah, it's not going to be sufficient. Like, it would be basically, like... I would say a good quarter of it's going to end up being gibberish, like, because it's not going to catch words that we're saying. Like, it doesn't know what Yardak is. Yeah, I remember I did the transcript for the first episode. Right. And the automated one, RCI, R is a word. And so every single time we said RCI, it was like R, the word C, and then the word I. So, like, yeah, it's just at this point where we don't have the capacity to keep up with it regularly. Like, I would like to get to that point. Um where I've kind of streamlined things. Unfortunately, we all have, like, full-time jobs. <laughs> so it, it's not that it's not in the cards, it's just we don't have time to do it, and we can't afford to pay anyone to do it right now. So hopefully in the future, fingers crossed. Volunteers? Question mark? <laughs> yeah, if anyone listening would really be interested in transcribing stuff, um, we're, always, uh, uh, we're always open to uh, assistance. All right, and then uh, final audience question. At uh, J Goldberg DFTBA says, who is everyone's favorite NPC? Uh, and also, that includes me. So I'm going to start with you guys. Uh, Ruby, uh, Ra- Rachel, who's your favorite NPC? Oh, that's, uh, that's hard. Um, Lydia Alvarado is definitely one of them. Okay. Um, Any particular reason? She's fun. <laughs> like, I like... She gets drunk and like mozzarella sticks. I resonate. <laughs> <laughs> relatable. She likes romance books. Real relatable. Um, I really like Frank, only character to ever, like, <laughs> I feel like he's the only NPC to ever be, like, uh, talk to Space Cadet about about me that wasn't an NPC I created. <laughs> and then I, of course, uh, I love Agent Alan Rickard and Bethany, because they're part of my story, and I like them. She said she loved him. <laughs> no, but I think that's interesting that you, you described Agent Alan Rickard as part of your story, because that, that's definitely something that was, like, adopted after. That wasn't, like, an initial planned thing. Yeah. Well, I feel like he is now. Okay, so Dan, who are who? What about you? Who's your favorites? <sighs> Ruth Day. Okay, Ruth's pretty great. That's my girl. <laughs> I love her so much. Again, this is another example of of uh, this is a perfect example of like the the RPG thing of creates elaborate backstory for characters who are completely ignored, and then you all just latch on to random ass people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> To be fair, you name some of them after people we know. <laughs> I don't know Ruth. Yeah, that's even funnier. Wait! You don't know? <laughs> no. Okay, that's weird. 
Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. my god, if you you're gonna be so excited if you ever meet Ruth. Honestly, I hope she can live up to my expectations. You're gonna fangirl her. <laughs> and then Sama, who's your favorite NPC? Alright, so obviously I love Gemini because she's really cool, and I also really like Frank. I feel like I've said this before, but he reminds me of Kowalski from Fantastic Beasts. That's how I picture him. So. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, ever since you guys made like it was kind of what I was thinking, yeah. like in a vague sense. But when you said that, I was like, oh, there. That's exactly the kind of character I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah. So I absolutely love him. But that's another example of. I think it's funny that you weren't there for the first game we ever played, where Gemini was played by an actual person. You've only been there since I've been playing Gemini. Yeah, because it was a completely different game. But she has cool powers and a cool like. Super name, so... But I definitely tried to keep the same vibe that Matt did when, when he was mm-hmm. playing her character, of just, like... A fun fact about Gemini in the game Matt played. Gemini tried... We were sent to space, and Gemini tried to... I don't even know how to put this. Mimic an alien language, and then immediately got us caught. Oh, I do remember. I remember being told that story. No stealth or deception whatsoever. <laughs> And then Ruby made him and inv- made her uh, invisible because it was just like a panic move. <laughs> so like, but that was the kind of vibe that I tried. To, like I try, I basically imagine, I imagine because especially Gemini being a character who like grew up like on her own, like just like out out on like on the road. I imagine her very much as like scene kid who never had to grow out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Like there was no there was no external force, so now she's just like a scene kid who became a secret agent, <laughs> and also like godlike powers. So it's just like I didn't realize Gemini was a scene kid. Yeah, me neither. Perfect. I love it. Well, I'm just saying she wears a white she wears a white jumpsuit and has purple hair. I don't know how else. To- oh, you know what? I think that was another thing that got me. You said she had purple hair, and I was like, all right, we're best friends now. That's it. Someone does latch on to purple. <laughs> So yeah, Gemini has cool powers and a cool superhero name, and she's just really cool, so I like her. And yeah, Frank reminds me of Kowalski, and also, like, he, like, gave me the toy that is my suit, which is really cool. Yeah, and he was looking out for you, he made you a stealth suit, too. Yeah. That was another thing, like, another example of, uh, in that last arc, is I wanted to try to bring uh, Gemini, like, was a character that I knew you were gonna want to bring back. And, uh, and also, like, I wanted to figure out, like, little moments. Like, I didn't want to bring Frank fully back, but I was like, all right, he needs to have some kind of effect on this episode. Here's a, here's a nod. Yeah. hmm My favorite NPC. Yeah, who is your favorite child? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> you could only pick one. Oh, sure, some of you got to pick two. <laughs> hey, I just picked Ruth. I stuck with the rules. You stuck with the rule. I didn't know. I didn't realize that we had to. I didn't. Read I it. also want to point out that mm-hmm. in Josh's question, when he said that like RC had to pick one, it was choose. It also said he has to choose his favorite child. It says, "Who is everyone's favorite NPC, including RC?" On that question, he needs to pick his favorite child. Ha ha. <laughs> See, I'm thinking. So I'm not. These are not necessarily my favorites, but the two I'm thinking of that first come to mind are Kevin Lewis and Betsy Bullard, because they're the characters that I've worked on the longest. Like, these are the characters that existed in that initial idea. Well, yeah, that makes sense. That makes all the sense. Of course, you're attached to your firstborn. Well, I also think about Betsy, because Betsy originally, like, I, I, in- I incorporated this into her backstory that she used to be in charge of the supervillain assault specialty squad, also known as SASS. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, established- I forgot about that acronym! It's so good! 
Because that was the original name for like the union equivalent organization. And then I retconned that when we started making this podcast. I was like, no, they're going to be like a, a very specific squad of like independent people. And union is like, you know, she went corporate and went work for union. So yeah, I guess I'm going to go with Betsy just because like I have like, there's a lot of her story that you guys haven't been exposed to yet. Like there's more developed of her interior life that you haven't seen yet. Ooh, let's do a Betsy one-off. Ooh. What, where it's just, where it's just what, uh, what, what does that even mean? Yeah, I was like, just me playing by myself? No, just like, cause like, oh, she went away, but like, yes, just, yes, Robert, you playing with yourself. Me, me GMing myself? Oh my god, I just remember this thing, and so I was like, I want to make a D&D campaign, but I just kind of want to do it myself, and so, and then the next thing was, I've been informed this is writing a book. Yeah, you write. But no, <laughs> like, specifically, like, doing, like, an insular, cause like, she went away, so like, do like, an insular, like, one like episode devoted to like Betsy's like hey can you guys come to this location I need you guys for something and then we have like a Betsy episode all right uh so let's talk a little bit do you guys have questions for each other about your characters and I would say especially for Myra because like you know oh did because something we kind of talked about and you don't have to is, is that like the reason your powers came about was like you running out of a bad situation did like did our characters ever find that out <gasps> You definitely told, she definitely told Gemini, like, she, I don't think you went into all the details, but you basically said bad situation and ran out of it. Okay, so, what happened was, Myra's parents really wanted her to be in, like, an arranged marriage. So, like, when that was about to happen, and she really didn't want to, you know, go through with it, she, she was just thinking about how she wanted to escape, and then, when she, like, left her house, she found herself, like, miles away. And then was like, oh. And that's how she found out that she had powers. And I guess, like, we never really established this, but I have to imagine, like, her parents basically, like, took her back with open arms because, right, like... Right, yeah. I mean, they they realized, yeah, they realized eventually that it wasn't a good idea, and so they were they were totally fine with calling it off and welcoming her back. I had, I had thought about it, uh, like, how to not make that a focal point, but, like, incorporate that into the larger story, and, like, you guys, like, because so much happens, you guys don't necessarily remember everything, but, like, remember that I'm taking, like, a lot of notes, like, you, Yardak, and Myra had, like, some bad dreams at one point. Yeah. I was say, where, like, you were, like, Yardak was swimming and being dragged under. Right, and, and I could, Myra couldn't, yeah, My, Myra couldn't escape her captor, right? Yeah, because, like, you can't, like, in the in the dreams, they were just shadows, but, like, the idea was that, like, you were both being, like, in your natural elements, like, unable to to move, like, held down. That was not fun. Yeah, since Myra will be gone, will, how will we revisit? Will it just be me? Or will that kind of more fall to the side and just be like, hey, we had a bad dream? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lift that dangle. <laughs> because, like, I have, like, I was like, like, I guess if you could see the, like, list that I have of, like, all the spinning plates of things that are happening. Possible branch of story to follow. Oh my god, it's not like the doc I have with the, like, book series I'm trying to write. Yeah, like, I have- I have- Fucking mess. So, like, obviously, like, you guys have a lot of control over, like, what your characters do, and I have, like, a lot of different story ideas of, like, basically enough to take us for a while. Like, I have the entire season, villains and arcs and things, like, enough to get us through, like, I have the rest of the plot for this season, of it being its own self-contained story, and then, like, a lot of, like, branches of, like, where you could go for season two and stuff, like- 
No, the good thing about me writing a book is I don't have the like I don't have us like derailing my story like you do. No, and I and I like it because I don't like being like I don't want to I don't want this to be on rails. That's the thing. Like that you guys need to I need you to know that you have autonomy. Like you know I never want you to feel like you have to do a certain thing. Now there are certain points where it's going to come down that I'm going to give you a hero point and say no, you didn't. That didn't go the way you wanted it to. <laughs> you know to kind of keep some semblance of of an arc but like yeah i have like a lot of ideas and the one thing that i have been noticing you know we're 19 episodes in now and the one thing that i regret is some of these story arcs i probably should have waited for oh no <laughs> because i recognize now that we're not going to address them for a while and that means i'm definitely going to need to like refresh remind remind you guys bring it back around and have to go back to like in our like, previously on at the beginning of an episode, I'm gonna have to go grab stuff from like episode two. Oh, but we're man. gonna be home. <laughs> but instead of like just having like the previously on for the people who are listening, like we need it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was gonna say like the two main things that have been established, I think that haven't been addressed like that. Three, uh, Brigand's employer, mm-hmm. that those dreams, and uh, Doctor Alvarado's weird reactions. Yeah. What the. Oh my god, that was so long ago. And we we got, like, well, the couple, like, where she was, like, kind of being off-putting to Ruby, and then also, like, one time when, like, in, in the, I think it was the second episode's post credit scene, or the third, uh, where she talks with Frank, and it's like, I don't know, like, basically, like, should I tell her? And Frank tells her, don't, don't do it. Oh my god. Tell me what? <laughs> Another thing we need to So that's what I mean, like, it's so far back that you guys have forgotten, except for, except for Rachel, whose character arc it directly affects. Yeah. Now, there's this one thing that I kept bringing up for a while, but then it kind of just kept spinning the wheels in the dirt and went nowhere, was the whole me and Ruth investigating what's-his-nuts. Yeah, it wasn't that, like... I need to find a way to make that more into, like, a real thing, because otherwise it's just, like... No, no, because you were spinning your wheels because we... Well, in part because we had some things we had to do, like this last art, for example. Yeah. Like, and before before uh, Sama said that she was looking to leave and everything, my original plan was to have that kind of be, like, that was when we were going to start digging more into that. And that was why I made sure to include that stuff about, like, the serum and red crystal, black crystal, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I wanted to try to tie this in, but it did go a different way. So, like, you are not just... You were spinning your wheels a little bit because I didn't really have anywhere for you to go quite yet. But you're you're about to get some traction. Good. Did you like that? Did, was that a good metaphor? Gonna get some traction. So I'm not gonna tell you what what or how or where, but like, you know, that's not over, obviously. Your, your beef with Tristan Wagner is gonna get... Worse. I was gonna try and make another... Yeah, well, I was gonna say, your beef is gonna get grilled. Wow. <laughs> anyway... Uh, yeah, do you guys have any other, like, questions for each other and stuff? Or for me, even? Is there a different language for Atlanteans? Yeah. Yeah, I think we've established that there's, like, Atlantean glyphs. Yeah. But uh, we never really established how, like, Yardak speaks English. Yeah, no, like, we... It's kind of because we're in the water and, like, it's... I kind of taken it from a couple of, like, the Atlantean lore where it's, like, they kind of have, like, the overarching language where like we understand all languages mm. where like because it's like it's the ocean so it's everywhere so it's like different like things have affected it yeah. over time so it's kind of like mm-hmm. an amalgamation of stuff so like we could theoretically establish a moment where two atlanteans are talking to each other and to keep, to keep it in secret it would be a way that that like, like english speakers couldn't understand kind of basically just like basically like speaking spanish around someone who doesn't speak spanish yeah mm-hmm I was thinking, I'm going to bring it to Star Trek. Don't worry. Uh, it's an actual thing where, like, the universal translator will translate Klingons, except occasionally people will just speak Klingon. That one's lost on me. 
Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> Get better. <laughs> Sometimes the universal translator's a dick. It just doesn't translate everything that Cleon say. I'm trying to think of one for Ruby, but I feel like Ruby is very fleshed out already, so. Well, I have a question for Yardak about, so the last ab- ambassador was, your, was Yardak's father, mm-hmm. and he died in the war in 1812, right? Were they, as, were they secretive before that, or did they become secretive when he died? Um, I think when we discussed it. No, it was secretive before that. Yeah. I think Yardak's father was very much like, we need to, we need to intervene and help in this. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we've been secretive since, when did we decide that we went underwater? Because it was like a long, long Something time Something like ago. eight, nine thousand years ago, like early human society. Was it that early? I think so. Because remember, Atlanteans lived to be like uh, a couple hundred years, like, yeah, I think the right. oldest are like, are like uh, 500 years old. So like, you know, that's not too many generations back. God, that's weird. But yeah. I mean, again, that's the oldest. Like, probably the average Atlantean lives to be, like, I don't know, 400, 350. Which is even weird when you think about it when, like, with humans, we lived where it can be, like, around 100. So that's, like, what, just 20 generations back to the start of, like, year zero. Exactly. Exactly. Fucking strange. So, like, I mean, think about that, too, is, like, Yardak has been almost alive almost as long as the U.S. has existed. Yeah. Yardak's dad was born probably before uh, Europeans came to America. I'm imagining Yardak's dad... Going up to the surface world with like one of those white haired powdered wigs <laughs> and like tights. <laughs> My father's Keanu Reeves. I imagine him as Yardak, but without the beard, just the mustache. <laughs> Papa Yardak. Oh my god. Papa Yardak. I think the thing about we all had questions for Dan because uh, Atlanteans have a different society where I'm like, I'm a human. I'm a human. I'm surprised no one asked was like asked what space cadet or something. <laughs> you wrote a whole article about it. It's established. Yeah, go re- everyone, go read the article. That's how you learn about space cadet. So we're gonna let's go to the intel drop brought to you this time uh, via Rachel instead of me. <laughs> this week's intel drop is brought to you by Pope Brandon Brownson. Samantha Duffy hates to be left out. She became a hacker, so she never would be. Growing up in Philadelphia, she was no stranger to struggle. She instead found comfort in technology. Scrounging up whatever she could, she taught herself the ins and outs. This allowed her to receive a scholarship to Riverside University. It was there that Union took notice of her prodigious abilities. Duffy flourished in the organization, becoming one of the go-to codebreakers. Recruited by Kevin Lewis a short time before Myra Hassan, Duffy was transferred to Alpha Base in Washington State for her training. Under her codename, Crasher, she's been on several missions in the field now to gather intel. This included both the information that sent Agent Alan Rickard out of Riverside and of the post-human fighting ring that Myra is now infiltrating. No system seems to be safe if Union sends Crasher after it. This intel drop was brought to you by Pope Brandon Brownson. Looking for someone on YouTube to make you laugh, plus someone who creates original music and cool remixes? Well, the Pope of the Internet has you covered. You can find a link to their channel at mathsofmayhem.com support. Alright guys, so, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I just want to say, like, Sama, I hope you really enjoyed, you know, being a part of this, and then, you know, we're sad to see you go, but it's been, like... Too. I did have a really good time. You know, I hope that, you know, maybe someday we can have you come back for another guest spot or something. You know, it'd be mm-hmm. really cool. I'm way more than down to come back and 
be Myra again in a guest episode. Yay! Gonna catch her in some bar out west. She's just gonna be in murder vaginas, ripping it up on stage. But don't blow my cover! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll it'll make a great uh, live episode if we ever go to like a convention. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> yes! Uh, also, if also like if you have a convention you want us to come to, like, hey. Yeah, and honestly, if anybody knows of any, like, small conventions, preferably somewhere on the East Coast. If anyone knows anyone, in, like, specifically in Austin, people can crash at my house. Or, or in Austin. We'll, we're gonna do South By. <laughs> oh, God, I can't even get a fucking ticket to South By. <laughs> so, going forward, I, I mentioned earlier that, like, I do have some plans for some standalone arcs until we can find another player. Uh, so we're working on that, and and we're gonna go from there. But next week and the week after, uh, we're going to have a special episode. Uh, we've been doing ads and showcasing Harsh Generation, the new uh, dystopian cyberpunk RPG. And so we're gonna actually going to have lead developer Emily O'Neill. She's going to come and GM a game for us. We're going to have our first part. We'll go over more details about gameplay, and we're going to make all of our characters. So this will be weird for me being the play on the player side. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have one episode that's all of that. And then the second episode will be a short one-shot game uh, that Emily is making for us. Interesting. So, like, that's going to be the next two episodes, and then we'll be back into Masks and Mayhem. Just kind of a question at that point as to what it's going to be. So, not 100% sure yet. Like, I know where we're going in the long, in the general sense, but I also might have to integrate a new character into the story. <laughs> so, it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, uh, we'll be back in two weeks, and fingers crossed, I'm going to keep to that schedule. <laughs> and yeah, all right, uh, Sama, take us out. Masks and Mayhem uses Mutants and Masterminds 3rd Edition by Green Ronin Publishing. We are not affiliated. The show is written, produced, and haphazardly cobbled together by our game master, R.C. Byler. You can follow us for free forever on all major podcast platforms. If you like what we do, please leave a review on podchaser.com. It helps more people find us, and maybe we'll even read your review in a later episode. This week's episode was brought to you by Harsh Generation, as well as Pope Brandon Brownson. Follow us on Twitter, at MayhemCast, to keep up to date on everything we do. If you leave us some feedback with the MayhemCast hashtag, you might even show up as an NPC in a future arc. Our official art is by Jen Evans, and our branding is by AJ Solomon. Our theme music is by Cloud Road Music. Additional music credits, social media links, blog posts, and episodes can be found on our website at masksandmayhem.com. All right, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.